Good afternoon and the warmest of welcomes to this induction service for Martin Leach as our associate pastor. The psalmist writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Let's join in singing together our opening hymn. It's on the sheets and will appear on the screen based on Psalm 103. Praise my soul, the King of heaven, to his feet your tribute bring. We'll stand as the music begins, ready to sing the opening hymn. Let's all pray together. O Lord, our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we worship you, for you are God, 
and God alone. We confess that we are sinful people, uh, but we thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us in the Lord Jesus Christ. He who came into the world to save sinners. He who lived and died and rose again to buy our pardon. And we seek your forgiveness in his matchless name. We do thank you, O Lord, for your goodness and your mercy, which have followed us all the days of our lives. That is true for us as individuals, and it is true for us as churches. It's true for this church here, and it's true for every uh, congregation uh, represented uh, here uh, this afternoon. And we thank you for your goodness and your mercy, which has brought us to this day, uh, which has led us uh, to uh, this occasion. And we commit this service to you uh, this afternoon and ask that you would help us as we worship you and that you would bless us as we hear uh, your word. We pray particularly for Martin and Penny as Martin is inducted as associate pastor of uh, this church. And uh, we commit them to you and we pray, O Lord, that you would be to them all that they need and that you would richly bless them in uh, their service in and uh, from uh, this place. We pray for the whole uh, church of family as we share uh, this momentous day uh, together and as we enter into this uh, new chapter of uh, the life of this uh, local church. O oh Lord, we cast ourselves upon you and we seek your uh, richest uh, blessing. We do pray, O oh Lord, for every pastor, for every uh, minister in this congregation uh, today. And we ask that you would be with them all and that you would bless their ministries in their different uh, places where you have put them. And we pray, O oh Lord, for every church represented in this congregation this afternoon. And as we pray that you would prosper your gospel and build your church in this place, so we pray, O oh Lord, that you would prosper your gospel and uh, build your church in every other uh, place uh, too. And we do thank you, O oh Lord, for the joy that it is uh, to gather together as your people, for the joy that it is uh, to sing your praise, uh, the joy that it is to hear your word both read and preached, the joy that it is to seek your face in prayer, and the joy uh, that it is uh, to induct uh, Martin uh, to this uh, role here in uh, uh, this a church. And so we pray that you would bless all that is done uh, here uh, this afternoon and our informal fellowship as we share tea uh, together uh, later on. We pray, O oh Lord, that we might encourage one another and uh, build each other up. We thank you, O oh Lord, that you are the good God, that you have never been anything but kind uh, to us, that we see your mercy supremely at Calvary. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the empty tomb. We thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit who has worked in our hearts and in our lives. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would bless by your word and by your spirit this day in our Saviour's matchless name. Amen. Amen. Let me repeat the welcome. It's lovely to see you all. Thank you for coming. Uh, whether you've come from just down the road or from uh, the other side of the country, uh, wherever you've come from, uh, it's a great joy uh, to have you with us uh, sharing uh, this occasion. And if it's your first visit to Welcome Hall Evangelical Church, uh, then a very a special 
a welcome uh, to you. The service will proceed as outlined on the service sheet. Just uh, one or two things uh, to mention. There will be a creche uh, for preschool children. And if you'd like to send any preschool children to creche, please just direct them towards the uh, central aisle uh, during the singing of the third hymn. And the uh, creche leaders will come up and down and uh, take, them, take them to the creche, which will be in the church hall uh, to the rear of the car park. The only request we make is that you remember to pick them up uh, after uh, the close of the, uh, of the service. Also, after the service, there will be a, a buffet a tea uh, in, the, uh, in the church hall, again, to the rear of the car park. If you need to rush away, we understand, but if you don't, we would invite you to stay. We'd love anybody, everybody to stay uh, to, uh, to share uh, a time of, uh, of food and, uh, and fellowship uh, together. So do please uh, stay uh, for the tea afterwards. I want to give a, a special welcome to our preachers uh, today. Uh, I asked Martin who would he like to, to preach on this occasion, and uh, he mentioned these two uh, names. David Castles, it's his first visit uh, to Welcome Hall, though he's a, a good friend of Martin's and also uh, a good friend of mine. We welcome David and his wife Isabel. Uh, David is the pastor of New London Road Baptist Church in Chelmsford, Essex, and uh, uh, then... Um, our second preacher today, uh, Richard Brooks, who is no a stranger to this congregation, having been a, a member here for some years now, uh, after retiring uh, from a lifetime of pastoral ministry. So Richard and Jenny are members here, and we're grateful to Richard too for agreeing to bring us uh, God's word uh, this afternoon. So <coughs> I've told both the preachers that we decided today, instead of having one a longer sermon, we would have two uh, shorter sermons. So that's the plan. Uh, don't blame me if it goes wrong. <laughs> and then uh, many of you will have your own churches to attend tomorrow. Uh, but if you, uh, if you don't have a, a church that you attend regularly, uh, you would be very welcome to uh, come along uh, here. Uh, we meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 and uh, every Sunday evening at 6 o'clock. And tomorrow morning, Martin Leach, our new associate pastor, uh, will be preaching. And God willing, I'll be preaching at the evening service. Let's sing again our second hymn. I greet thee whom I sure Redeemer art, my only trust and saviour of my heart. The second hymn.
We come now to the act of induction and we begin with statements, uh, one on behalf of the church and then uh, Martin on his own uh, behalf. It's my privilege just now to say a few words on behalf of this church and I begin by expressing how delighted we are that the Lord has brought Martin and Penny uh, to us and provided Martin to serve alongside me as our associate pastor. We feel very blessed. Our first associate pastor was Gordon Robbins, who was with us for three years from September 2020 until August 2023. When Gordon and Jane returned to Worcester six months ago, having experienced the benefits of a second pastor and a team ministry, there was a strong desire among church members to seek someone else to join me in the pastoral ministry here. However, there were two big questions in our minds. Firstly, when would we be able to afford to commit to funding such a role, as our finances were somewhat straightened? And secondly, where would we find someone suitable? In God's great goodness... Here we are just six months later, gathered for Martin's induction. Unbeknown to us, our next associate pastor was already here. Martin and Penny had moved to this area in 2021, started worshipping with us soon afterwards, and became members of the church here in July 2022. Although initially they were absent more than they were present due to their caring responsibilities for Penny's father in Kent, they quickly won the hearts of the fellowship and became much-loved and highly valued church members. Martin also began to preach here from time to time and his ministry was greatly appreciated. Last summer, Martin shared with me a strong sense of compulsion to return to full-time frontline ministry. I was very supportive of that, although sad at the thought of losing Martin and Penny so soon. It was encouraging to me to know that Martin was initially exploring a role which would mean that he and Penny would continue to live locally and carry on in fellowship with us here. However, that door didn't open, and it was then that I was suddenly struck by the thought... What about Martin serving alongside me here? I remember flying a kite, as I put it, at the next elders meeting. My fellow elders were immediately positive, while perhaps unsure whether Martin would be interested, but we agreed that I should raise the possibility with him. Martin and I met for coffee at M&S in Longbridge, a favourite haunt of the two of us and had a very positive conversation. Subsequently, Martin met with all the elders and then with the deacons. At each stage in the process, momentum was clearly building. When the elders and deacons made a unanimous recommendation to the membership, there was overwhelming support. Some church members even made comments along the lines of, we're glad the church officers have finally recognised what's been quite obvious to us for a while. The result was that the elders issued a call to Martin on behalf of the church, and he very graciously accepted 
uh, that invitation. I've been privileged to call Martin a friend for about 20 years now and greatly look forward to a growing partnership as we serve alongside one another and with the other elders in the leadership of this church. We believe this is a hugely significant day in the history of our fellowship and we give the Lord all the glory. As we'll sing later, we praise him for all that is past and trust him for all that's to come. I'm going to invite Martin now to come and speak to us. Martin, please. I was listening very carefully to the notices. Jeremy didn't actually mention any time limit on me. <laughs> so so I've, I've just got a few things to say, though. I'm not, just to reassure you, I'm not going to take a long time. Um, and I'm not going to repeat what Jeremy has, has just said, except to say I'm, I'm very grateful for what he said and wholeheartedly echo every word about uh, how he's described the, the process that we've been through together. If you would just indulge me for a few moments, though, I want to just have a brief reminisce. I was thinking about today and what I might say to you, and something came to my mind which I, I thought I would relate. Um, Penny and I got married more than 30 years ago now, and at our, our wedding we had three hymns. We had, Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. We had, Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. And the third hymn was All the Way My Saviour Leads Me. And those three hymns have been like a, a musical accompaniment to our lives together ever since. God has been faithful to us. We've experienced the love of Jesus every day and he has led us. Those words from those hymns and they're in the hymn book if you want to look at them later, have been precious to me. And they're sort of directing what I just want to say briefly to you now. I quickly learned when I first became a Christian in the, the late 1980s that despite what some may say, becoming a Christian is not a sort of golden ticket to a, a life of ease and comfort, quite the contrary. And I remember reading very soon after I became a Christian some words of the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 14 where he talks about the fact that it's through many tribulations that we must enter the, the kingdom of heaven and that Christians can expect to pass through the sorts of trials common to any human being but also trials that are peculiar to being a Christian living in this world. And our lives together have been at times troubled, not me and Penny, I don't mean that, but the things that we've been through together in various quarters and circumstances of our lives. I said I quickly learned that Christian life is not a golden ticket to ease and comfort, and I'm still learning that because we all need to keep on being reminded, don't we? There is a, a sense that you can get as you go on in the Christian life that as you pass through troubles, well, that's it. Now I can look forward to something more straightforward. Well, it doesn't always work like that. So I'm still learning but it is through many troubles and trials that we must enter the kingdom of God. And that's why the hymn, All the Way My Saviour Leads Me, has been so important to me. The words go like this, in case you don't know it. 
All the way my Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? And then the second verse says, All the way my Saviour leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul athirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, though a spring of joy I see. And I can say that's been the experience of my life as a Christian for over 30 years, learning that the Saviour is leading with love, with compassion, with purpose, even when the ways can seem so mysterious and at times troubling and painful to us. Well, why am I telling you those things? Well, because the last few years have been a little bit complicated for Penny and me. I, it's lovely to have a little contingent from the European Missionary Fellowship here today. It's lovely to see you. And uh, I finished my work as director of VMF in 2016. And those eight years now, nearly since I finished there, have been more complicated than Penny and I could ever have imagined. And it has been a winding path that we have taken, sometimes... You, uh, you look at your circumstances and you wonder what's happening as a, as a Christian and you wonder where this is leading. And I'm not going to relate to you all the details of what we've done, but suffice to say that we've had four separate home addresses in the last six years. And we're glad now to be reaching a point where we're hoping our home address is not going to change again. So why am I telling you these things? Well, because of this. And if you're a Christian, then I hope this will be of some encouragement to you, especially if you're passing through times of trouble or uh, confusion at the moment about the way that the, the Lord is leading you, that sometimes circumstances so work out in your life that all the pieces of the puzzle seem to fit into place and you can see that there really was a bigger picture after all. You know, it's like walking through the hills on a foggy day and you're not quite sure where you're going but you're following the map and you think you're on the right path, and then the, the sun burns the fog away and suddenly things become clear. Well, I'm really glad, rejoicing with Penny, to be able to say to you today, we've reached in our lives one of those times when uh, it seems that the fog has cleared and the, the pieces of the puzzle have fallen into place and all sorts of circumstances of our lives of the last six years have completed a picture which has led to me standing here today. We didn't know when we got our house in Northfield a few years ago that we would be living there anytime soon. We didn't know when we got that house that we would be becoming members of this church one day. We didn't know for how long we would be caring for Penny's father in Kent. We didn't know any of those things. We were just doing them. And circumstances have moved us to this point when we found ourselves thinking, well, it's time to move on to the next thing. And as Jeremy said, I had a very strong sense of the Lord wanting me back in Christian ministry after so many years being involved in it and then a break from it. And, well, as Jeremy described, things have fitted together and here I am today. And all I can say to you is, as we look back, we are just filled with thankfulness to God filled with a sense of reassurance, filled with a sense of amazement as well at how there really is a bigger picture 
and it's fitted together in our lives. And I find that so encouraging because it doesn't mean suddenly you can explain everything that's going on in everybody's life, not that at all. But what it does mean is it's a reminder that there really is a God in heaven who really does care for his people, who really is leading all of his people through all of life's circumstances and changes, all those winding ways, all those foggy days when you're not sure what's happening, all those trials and troubles that you pass through as a Christian. Your Father in heaven is there. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, that vast ocean of love with which he loves all of his children. And, as we've just been singing, is our Redeemer. He gave himself for us. And all the way my Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? And so here I am, filled with so much thankfulness. Thankful to God, of course, Thankful to Penny for all her patience with me over so many years and my family for being so supportive. Thankful to the church here for... You've lived up to your name, church members at Welcome Hall. You made Penny and me feel so very, very welcome from the moment we first set foot in the door. Do you know, when we announced that we were uh, moving to Northfield on our email list, I'd almost not let my finger off the send button on the email giving our new address in Northfield before Jeremy had replied, saying, oh, that's not far from where we live. Let's meet at coffee. And that was the beginning of our Marks and Spencers <laughs> moments. And the church has so lived up to its name of Welcome Hall for us, and I hope that every person here who knows this church will be able to say the same too, and I, I will do my best to make sure that every person who comes here will feel not just my welcome, but the welcome of God through me. You know, sometimes people quote the lines of another well-known hymn, uh, William Cooper's hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And they often just leave it like that, don't they? Oh, well, God moves in a mysterious way. Without finishing the line, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. Never forget that, whatever you're passing through, whenever it does seem like there is a dark and frowning providence in your life, that the Lord God Almighty is doing his mysterious works and he really does have the best in mind for all of his children. And I would just want to say one more thing before I, I finish, that if there is somebody here who isn't a Christian believer, please hear what I've said. There really is a God in heaven and Jesus really is the saviour of sinners and the Lord God really does keep all of his children through all of life and as we've been singing takes us on our journey through life and brings us home <clears throat> sorry I'm like Jeremy I've got a sore throat I just want to uh, say in conclusion that um, you know to, to know that you're a Christian is to know that God loves you and that God is your Father, and is to know that the Lord has the very best in mind for you. And Penny and I can say a loud Amen to how the Lord has been leading us for over 30 years as a couple since we got married, and we are so thankful that we're here today. And we promise together 
And I commit to you, church members, as I'm going to do in a moment, that I will do my best in the grace and strength of God to serve him by serving you here at Welcome Hall. Thank you, Martin. We now have some questions for Martin. I'm going to ask Martin these questions, and I'm hoping that he's going to answer them in the affirmative. Martin, uh, do you affirm your belief in the Scriptures as the inspired and inerrant Word of God and as the only infallible authority for faith and practice? I do. Do you believe this church's basis of faith to be founded on and agreeable to the Word of God? And do you resolve through divine grace, firmly and constantly, to uphold the church's doctrinal distinctives? I do. Do you accept the call of the church to be its associate pastor? And do you engage to discharge your duties with diligence and faithfulness, relying upon God for strength? I do. Do you accept the responsibility of sharing in leading the Lord's people in the ways of his holy ordinances, teaching and governing them according to the scriptures, and setting before all a godly and holy example. I do, trusting in God's enabling grace. Do you declare full agreement with this church's provisions for the governance of the church, as teaching and applying the principles established in the Holy Scripture? I do. And do you solemnly affirm that by divine and gracious assistance, you will always seek this church's purity peace, unity and extension. I do, in the strength of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Saviour. Thank you, Martin. Now some questions for the members of this local church. So if you're a member of Welcome Hall Evangelical Church and if you're able, let me invite you please to stand. I'm going to ask you two questions and I'm hoping that you will reply to each one with a hearty, we do. Do you, the members of this church, acknowledge and receive Martin Leach to be your associate pastor? We do. And do you agree to receive the word of truth from his lips with meekness and submit to him and the other elders in the exercise of spiritual leadership, giving to them all honour and encouragement in the Lord? We do. Thank you very much. Please be seated. Now I'm going to extend to Martin, the right hand of fellowship, and as he goes down uh, from the pulpit, uh, the other uh, elders, Alan Wells and Sam Jack, will come forward and also extend to him the right hand of fellowship. Martin, welcome in the Lord's name. Welcome indeed. And at this point, I'm going to invite Rachel Jack, the wife of one of the elders, just to come forward because we have a little something we'd like to give to Penny. Thank you. Let's hear God's word. Our Bible reading this afternoon is to be found in the Old Testament, the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. 
the book of Deuteronomy, and we're beginning to read in chapter 10 at verse 12, and reading through to the first verse of chapter 11. Deuteronomy, beginning in chapter 10 at verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I commanded you today, are for your good. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God, also the earth with all that is in it. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them, and he chose their descendants after them, you above all peoples, as it is at this day. Therefore circumcise the foreskin of your heart, and be stiff-necked no longer. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes a bribe. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the stranger, giving him food and clothing. Therefore love the stranger, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him, and to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awesome things which your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. Amen. And we believe the Lord will bless his own word as it is both uh, read and uh, preached. We'll join in singing our next hymn, the third hymn, What Gift of Grace is Jesus my Redeemer, with the refrain, Yet not I, but through Christ in me. The next hymn.
the opportunity before us today is joyful and solemn at the same time. And uh, we have heard something about the background to the call to associate pastor for our brother Martin. Before going to preach at him for a moment or two, because the charge is to him, but let me tell you this, you're all allowed to listen in at the same time, because there'll be something for everybody. But before heading into that, let me bring the greetings of the Baptist Church, New London Road in Chelmsford. We pray for the Welcome Hall twice a year as part of our prayer calendar. We remember the work and have remembered the work here in our prayers since uh, Mr. Jeremy Brooks became the pastor here. And it has been a joy to get information about the church and to hear what God is doing. And now to be here and see what God is doing, what a blessing that is in itself. So I bring the greetings of our church to this assembly of God's people. I bring the greetings of our church to... Penny and to Martin. Martin has preached for us a number of times at Chelmsford and we have appreciated his ministry and been blessed by the word of God as he has ministered amongst us there. It is on a personal level, of course, that I stand here with both of now the pastor and associate pastor as long-standing friends of mine. They have not been standing as long as I've been standing, but we are long-standing friends. Uh, it's a bit like an ecclesiastical Marx Brothers kind of thing, if you could put it that way. You can guess who Groucho is whenever you want. <laughs> but these two men are important to me. Martin has been very special to me as a brother in the Lord over many years. We were calculated today 21 years. And uh, out of a chunk of life, that is a, a great portion, is it not? Uh, and I know Martin, and I know Martin to be a man of God, a man of great spiritual worth, a man of great spiritual inclination, a man who loves the word of God because he loves the God of the word. And I am sure that his ministry will increasingly be valued both by your pastor and by the congregation of God's people here. And I look forward as we pray at least twice a year for the church here that we'll hear just how things are going and the blessings that will come from this ministry. I think it's solemn in a sense because God's word and the proclamation of it is always a solemn task. Standing as mere men before men and women, we sense the grave responsibility that is given to us to bring forth the message of God's great gospel, the gospel of his sovereign and free grace, the message that focuses on the Lord Jesus Christ as the only saviour for sinners. It's solemn too because of the day in which we're living. We're living in tragic times and probably, I fear, probably more tragic than we realize. There is a terrible departure from God and the things of God in our United Kingdom. We're seeing the seed has been sown and we're now reaping the 
whirlwind where the wind has been sown. And yet we are absolutely certain that has been stressed already in this service that God is in sovereign control of all things and he can be trusted. And trust him we may and trust him we must. And I trust that the outcome of this service today will be not only that our brother will be thoroughly installed into the work to which God has called him, but that we will all be challenged concerning the things that relate to the ministry of the word of God. I have a two-part text. It's two verses. The first of them is found in the chapter 10 of Deuteronomy and is found in the verse 12, the first verse that we read. Listen to it again with me, please. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. And then chapter 11 and verse 1. Therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge, his statutes, his judgments, and his commandments always. To bring a charge to someone like Martin Leach might seem at first thought to be somewhat superfluous because he has received in the past a charge to do the very work that he's going to be continuing here in this assembly. He's received the sense of God's calling to his own soul and now, of course, added to that the calling of the congregation to him uh, to conduct the work that is set out for him. Very often, if it was to be preaching at the installation or induction of a pastor to a church, very often what we would do, we would go to Paul's second letter to Timothy, wouldn't we? Where Paul says, I charge you to preach the word. Martin, you've heard that. You know that. You've been gifted to that end. You've been called to that end. And it's a very interesting thing that in Second Timothy, Paul gives a charge to Timothy to preach the word. But here in the book of Deuteronomy, there is an Old Testament equivalent. And it is a charge to all of Israel to have a relationship with the word, a relationship of obedience. I'm thinking about this very seriously. How can I get something across today that will be helpful to Martin, to Penny, and to the whole congregation? What would the Lord have me to say today? And it's simply this. Martin, therefore you shall love the Lord your God and keep his charge. I didn't choose any of the hymns. But the next hymn really fits in with what God has put on my heart and life. For this meeting. 
We've thought a great deal about God's love for us, but there's a reciprocation of that. The book of Deuteronomy is a rehearsal of things that have happened already in the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. It's a rehearsal of some of those things that you find already in the book of Exodus, for instance. It's the final address of Moses to the people of God, thinking back to what God has done in the past and looking forward to what's going to happen in the future. He'll hand the reins over to Joshua to take the children of Israel into the promised land. And there's this little bed at the threshold of that, a bridge, if you like, between the departure of the children of Israel from Egypt and the entrance into the promised land. And God is challenging his people. And of course, the nation of Israel is but a conglomeration of individuals. It's not just for them to say something collectively. It is them speaking individually. And God speaking individually to all of them. And he's saying to them, love God. And we're not surprised at that, are we? Because the first and greatest commandment is that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart mind, soul, and strength. Love God. And of course we're not talking here about an emotional love that so much dominates the singing of the world and the thinking of all around us. We're thinking about something that goes far beyond that mere emotionalism. Jesus took it upon himself as God manifest in the flesh. To say, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Love is seen not in an emotionalism, but in a practical response to what God requires. Martin, love the Lord your God and keep his charge. Out of all the things that we could say today, This has got to be the greatest of them all. The greatest onus and responsibility of every child of God is to love God. Now you'll see back in chapter 10 there at verse 12. There's a list of things. Five verbs in those opening two verses. A really good long sermon if you wanted one. But I'm just going to touch on them very briefly and point them out to you. Look at them because I think this is what we need to know today about what it is to love God, what it is for a man of God and the work of God to love God, what it is for all who are truly Christians to love God. Here we find now Israel, verse 12 of chapter 10, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God? Let me put a word in there, reverence. We live in a thoroughly irreverent age, don't we? Not just in the realm of things spiritual, but even in society. I'm frightened to open a door for a lady going through in case I get slapped in the face because she's offended. Certain things like good manners have been jettisoned and everybody feels they can do what they like. But all of us as Christians and all of us specifically in the work of God can't just do as we like. We've got to have a reverence for God. A reverence that is born in the heart. Yes, it will show itself in a whole realm of things. But fear the Lord. 
Why? Because he is greatly to be feared. He's God. And if God is God, then he deserves to be reverenced. In our lives individually and in our public service, he is to be reverenced. Let's just get another verb here. What does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways? Let's put a word in there. Restraint. Restraint. We are hedged in as Christians and as Christian leaders. We're hedged in by what God has revealed. His way. We're constantly being challenged. Oh, other churches are doing this and other places are doing that. And it's the done thing nowadays. The question is, is it God's, is it God's way? Does it follow the teaching of the word of God? Could I just slip this in without being unduly controversial, I hope? Not our interpretation of God's ways, but God's ways as outlined in his word. And I think as we get further into the age in which we live, there's less and less time for meddling around on the peripheral things. We need to keep centered on the things that are vital. Let's get another verb here. To walk in all his ways and to love him. Well, we're going to come back to that, aren't we? We're going to see that that is our remade to love him. But let's get another one. And to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. To serve. That's our requirement. Yes, we serve the congregation. These brethren who have leadership responsibilities together with the other elders of this church are servants of the church. The word minister means servant. We're servants of the church. We're here to serve in accordance with what God has given into our hands to do. But above and beyond that, we're servants of the Most High God. We will one day be called upon to stand in the presence of the one who knows all things. And to give an answer for the ministry that we've been involved with. I don't think there's anything more solemn than that. And when others seem to be going around and into pastures so-called new but foreign to the word of God. We need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord, true to his word, and we need to serve him. And then, of course, the fifth of those verbs there, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes keep them and that of course is our responsibility no use preaching to others and not living by the things that we preach ourselves the world is constantly challenged by Christians about becoming Christians and very often the word that they'll return to us is hypocrites 
I know some Christian or I know some Christians and they're so hypocritical. They go to church on a Sunday but they're so different on a Monday and for the rest of the week and they're nothing less than hypocrites. Oh, God grant that that will never be justly leveled against us. But that we will be so true to God and true to his word. That people will see the light radiating from us as we seek to live out the word that we preach. Too late, Martin, you've taken your vows. But you don't want to go back. You mean what you've said here today. You're behind that. And your wife is behind you. <coughs> but that idea of loving God, let me just finish with this. God wants us to love him and he gives us a command to love. It's not an option. It's not a take it or leave it circumstance. Oh, for grace to love him more. Do we cry that today? That our love for him in obedience to his command will be seen in what we do, what we think, what we say, how we go about all of our business, that it will be seen there is a man There is a woman who really loves God. The number one love of their lives. It's not just high-flown sentimentality. This is the heart of real Christianity. It's a command. And not only that, it's commission that is given to us in love. To go out with that charge in accordance with the things that are mentioned here. His statutes, his judgments, his commandments. It's a summary of the word of God. It's a commission in the word of God, with the word of God, for the word of God. Because ultimately our religion is 66 books compiled that we call the Bible. That's the commission that you have today. And may God give you the strength that you need. But there's a communion by love. We are in fellowship with God. You know what John says? If any man says he hasn't sinned, he's, he's lost it. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And in that context, John tells us that we have fellowship with God. Communion with God. You see, it's not just saying prayers and going to church, though praying is vital and attending the place of worship is vital. It's not just that. It is a living, vital relationship with the God who created the heavens and the earth, who sustains all things, who is going to gather us one day into the presence of Of his blessed son. We're in fellowship with him. And we want to make sure that there's nothing that injures that fellowship or that communion. And we're in communion with another. We have fellowship with one another, says John. He's talking about fellowship between the penitent believer and God. But we have fellowship amongst us as Christian people. 
There's nobody like the people of God. What a blessing it is to belong to such a holy people. And of course you have a responsibility here because there are two of you going to work together here. And it's on my heart to say you're going to get to know each other better than you knew each other before. And I can say something with absolute certainty knowing the both of you. Neither of you is perfect. <laughs> but that communion and fellowship that you have in corporate responsibility may be challenging. But oh, it can be very beautifully sweet. And maintain that fellowship, I would urge you. But it's that commitment through love. And I give you that because in Matthew 24, 12, whatever our eschatology, our doctrine of the last things may be, Matthew 24 says, because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Oh, guard yourself against coldness creeping up over your love for God. Keep your walk with him straight and sweet and strong. And God will bless your ministry. And he'll bless your ministry together, brethren. And encourage you. So as long as I'm in Chelmsford, I look forward to twice a year hearing what's going on at Welcome Hall. And you both have my phone number. If I can ever be a help. God bless you. God bless you. We'll sing the next hymn, the fourth hymn, O Thou Who Camest From Above, the next hymn.
Friends, here's a question for you for a Saturday afternoon in February. Have you ever seen an angel? And I expect your answer to be no. You never have. And of course our experience is not like those of our beloved brothers and sisters, our forefathers in the faith, either in Old Testament times when they saw angels or in New Testament times when they saw angels. And you remember not least in the glorious earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, the angel who appeared to Joseph and the angel who appeared to Mary about the Saviour's incarnation, the conception, the birth of the Son of God, and then that great unsung hero nearly at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, the strengthening angel who came to the Lord Jesus Christ in the garden. And so those experiences of our former brethren are not ours. But I'm going to ask you the same question for a second time. Have you ever seen an angel? And your answer this time should be a resounding yes. How so? Come with me please in the word of God to the beginning of the great final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And I want, to, want you to see how it begins, for starters. The revelation of Jesus Christ. You see that? Be very clear on that, dear ones. The very revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, that is, to the Apostle John. Sometimes this final book of the Bible is referred to as the revelation of John. Except that it isn't. It isn't. It isn't the revelation of John at all. Rather, according to its own <coughs> divinely inscripturatedly, that's a word, uh, set, out, set out title here, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. It was given to John, but it wasn't of John. It was of Jesus. And just as the whole of the Bible at the end of the day, from beginning to end, is all about the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is climactically so. The revelation which was given to the Apostle John, but not about himself at all, but all about the Lord Jesus Christ. And that word revelation is itself a wonderful word. It's a beautiful word. It speaks of an unveiling. A revealing, of course. A manifesting. An opening up that we might view. Here in the book of Revelation, our Lord Jesus Christ is unveiled by the Holy Spirit, whose chief delight it is, of course, to do that very work, taking the things of Christ and declaring them. I'm going to read three verses beginning at chapter 1 and verse 19. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are 
and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. To the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Our text is just that opening phrase in chapter 2 and verse 1. To the angel of the church. Just that. Plenty there. To the angel of the church. Now who is this angel? What's this business about an angel of the church? Some have suggested that it means that every church has what we might call a guardian angel. But we have to say that there's, there's no hint of that in Scripture. And certainly the heavenly beings do not have letters written to them as the angel of the church here is conveying a letter. Rather, we take these angels of the churches to be the ministers, the pastors of local churches. That's the classic interpretation. And we follow it, don't we? The ministers, the pastors of the local churches. So here it comes for the third time. Have you ever seen an angel? And your answer this time, if you're paying attention, must be yes indeed. For here at Welcome Hall, the Lord has given us two. Not one angel, but two angels. I have to say that neither of them is called Gabriel. One's called Jeremy, and one's called Martin. And my charge this afternoon to us as the church here, and I can genuinely say to us, as I'm a member here myself, my charge here this afternoon to the church, of course it has regard to both Jeremy and Martin, what I say with regard to Martin on this wonderfully happy day, pertains as well to Jeremy, but obviously on this induction occasion we're thinking especially of Martin. But of course they're both angels and they are yoked together for the Lord here in the goodwill and pleasure of God. And so the title for this little message, this charge is just this. The angels of Welcome Hall. Two words to hold on to and remember. The first is regard and the second is respond. A question in connection with each of them. First of all, how are we? We as a church, we who belong here at Welcome Hall Evangelical Church, how are we to regard the angels of Welcome Hall? 
and not least in connection with this lovely occasion, Martin. But it speaks, I say again, of both of them. How are, how are we to regard these angels? Well, certainly three pointers are provided for us. First of all, they are gifts of the ascended and glorified Christ. That's who they are. Chapter 1 of Revelation in its mighty language is one of the most exalted and exquisite settings forth of the glory of Jesus that we find anywhere in Scripture. The language that's used. Clothed with a garment. Girded with a golden band. Head and hair white like wool, eyes like a flame of fire, feet like fine brass, voice as the sound of many waters. Not to go away and draw a picture of Jesus. We're never to draw pictures of Jesus. Never to do that. No pictorial representations or dramatic representations of the Lord Jesus. But this is, this is picture language. Word pictures to try and set forth something of the preeminence and the magnificence and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, not only in his capacity and office as the one sole head of the church. And it's no wonder, is it, that John's response to receiving this vision is, as we have in verse 17 of chapter 1, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. It flattened him. It prostrated him. It overcame him. Not a surprise at all. But do you remember how the Apostle Paul, in Ephesians 4, where he's quoting from the 68th Psalm, he says of Jesus that when he, Jesus, ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. And in that same chapter... He tells us that Jesus has given to his church pastors and teachers, or we may render it more with a hyphen, pastor teachers, for, he goes on to say, among other things, the edifying of the body of Christ. And back in our text, 2-1 of Revelation, we're told that these angels, these very same pastor teachers of Ephesians 4, they are the stars in the Lord Jesus Christ's hand. One twenty tells us the seven stars in his right hand. They're the angels of the seven churches. And this is taken up in our text, the angel of the church. And Jesus saying, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The Lord Jesus Christ, who now risen, ascended, glorified, and is seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, he holds in his right hand, and remember that in scripture, the right hand is the hand indicating power and rule and authority. The glorified Christ holds in his right hand the stars, the pastor teachers, the angels. And so just as some years ago now, Jeremy was given to us 
by the ascended and glorified Christ to be our pastor, so now on this sweet day, the same Lord gives to us Martin to be our associate pastor. They are his gifts to us. Is that how we see them? Is that how we see Martin this afternoon? How else are we to regard the angels of Welcome Hall? Well, we're to regard them as this. They are the bringers of heavenly messages. Heavenly messages. That is to say, the messages that they have first sought from the Lord of heaven for the blessing and refreshment of our souls. Indeed, the very word here, angels, angelos, it's properly translated, and we may translate it this afternoon, messengers. So our text, to the angel of the church, but equally to the messenger, the messenger of the church. What sort of a messenger is Martin along with Jeremy? Messages brought from heaven. That is to say, messages brought from the word of God. It reminds us, don't you think, of what's said very delightfully in Hebrews 1 about the heavenly angels. Do you remember it? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And so the Lord being their helper, our earthly angels, the Lord now, along with Jeremy, being Martin's helper, is one of the angels of Welcome Hall. They will unfold to us the truth, declare to us the unchanged and unchanging word of God, the set forth the glorious gospel of free grace to sinners. They'll feed our souls. And they'll help us towards heaven. Martin is a man. Jeremy and Martin are men. But men of God. Men filled with the Holy Spirit. Men called and equipped by God. Not set appointed. Not self-appointed, rather. Not having commended themselves for the job, as it were. But men called, men equipped, men sent, men given from God. Men who desire our best good. The day together with us, as one church, would be enabled to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bringers of heavenly messages. Is that how we see Martin? Is that how we see the two angels together? And one more response to this matter of how we are to regard the angels of heaven. They are given both to warn us and to encourage us. Both to warn us and to encourage us. In order to keep us Individually, 
and together as the body of Christ on the straight and narrow. Here in Revelation 2 and 3, as I'm sure you'll well know, we've got seven churches. So there are seven angels. The angel of the church at Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, and so on, through to the Laodiceans at the end of chapter 3. Seven churches, each with their own angel. And in the course of these letters given to them to proclaim, there is a combination of warnings and encouragements. And so there will be from Martin's ministry, as there is from Jeremy's ministry. And if you look again sometime at these seven letters, you'll find warnings and encouragements to us like these. Don't lose your first love to Jesus. Don't shrink under persecution. Don't compromise on scripture. Stay watchful, stay awake. Don't tolerate false teaching, false teachers or unholy behavior. Seize gospel opportunities. Maintain ever fresh communion and fellowship with the Saviour. And make sure you never become lukewarm. Those pastor teachers, again that word pastors, means shepherds. Shepherds, teachers. All these words in scripture to describe ministers and pastors of local church shows what a rich calling it is, doesn't it? They shepherd our souls. And they do so with warnings, because we need warnings. And oh, they do so with encouragements. Because how very much we need encouragements. And so is that how you see Martin and with Jeremy? Given both to warn us, to encourage us. So we've asked this question. How are we to regard the angels of Welcome Hall? They're gifts of the ascended and glorified Christ. They are bringers of heavenly messages. And they're given both to warn and to encourage us. Is that how we see them? That's how we should see. And the closing word of application, and it's a brief one, and I'm barely going to transgress my time. The second question is this. That second R, not forgotten it, have you? How are we to respond to the angels of welcome? How are we to respond to them? Well, let me give it to you. In bullets. (laughs) Treasure them from Christ. Love them in Christ. Pray for them through Christ. Encourage them with Christ. Refresh them 
in Christ. And not forgetting this one. Heed them. Heed them. From Christ. This is the work. For which Martin has been inducted among us. Here at Welcome Hall this afternoon. This is the work. To which Jeremy was inducted. Here. All those double figure years ago now. As the pastor. And together they are joined in this yoke. We do pray most earnestly that it will be the happiest yokes. Happiest of yokes for them. Because thereby it will be the happiest yokes of yokes for us. And we got the responses. Don't forget how to, where to regard them. But let's not forget how we're to respond to them. Treasure them. Love them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Refresh them. Heed them. That, dear ones, is the business of every single one of us here at Welcome Hall this afternoon. And for this, the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church, holds us accountable. Oh, that for all of us, it will prove a blessed and a joyous accountability. Amen. Let us sing our closing praise, these two lovely verses from Joseph Hart. How good is the God we adore. The closing praise. Please be seated. In a moment we will pray to close the meeting, but let me again thank you for coming. Uh, some of you have come long distances and that's much appreciated. I want to say thank you too for those who are joining online, including I believe a number of my friends and former colleagues at EMF in different countries in Europe. We're grateful to everybody who has prepared for this day, for the, the meeting, for the room here, for all the contributors to the meeting, and of course to everybody who has contributed to the, the food which is awaiting in the church hall behind. So if I may repeat the, the invitation, please do stay, everybody, uh, for some food and time to talk together through the door and across the car park to the church hall. Well, let's close together in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for all that we have heard today from 
your word. We pray that you will write your word into the hearts of each one of us and that we will, all of us, take seriously that which we have heard and respond to it in the way that you want us to. And so we're praying for the help and enabling of your Holy Spirit, Lord, to help us to remember to bring these things to our minds and our hearts and to strengthen us, to live them out, heart and mind, soul and deeds. Thank you, Lord, for this occasion. Continue with us on this day, we pray. Bless each and every one of us as we have gathered. Let us part from here later, knowing your blessing resting upon us. And do bless those who have journeys ahead of them tonight with safety and a smooth journey. Thank you too, Lord, for all the good things provided for us in the church hall shortly that we will be able to enjoy together. Do bless that food to us and bless our further time of fellowship together. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all for evermore. Amen. Amen.